from a bunker in beautiful Potchester, the Bronx. It's electoral dysfunction. Now, here's your host, Tom Brennan. Hey everyone, welcome back to Electoral Dysfunction, the show where comedians and experts debate the news of the week from the safety of their quarantines. And as always, the official position of the U.S. government may be that COVID's over, but not for the likes of us who are terrified of going outside, so we're still staying home. Uh, before we get into the show today, a couple quick things to plug at the top. Uh, I will be performing at Gotham Comedy Club Monday, March 6th at 7 p.m., uh, and then also real big thing, electoral dysfunction is returning to the stage in Philadelphia of all places as part of Crossroads Comedy's uh, Class Clouds Comedy Festival. It's a lot of K sounds. K sounds are funny. Uh, and we will be up on Friday, March 31st, 7.30 p.m. Right after us, our old pals, uh, Daryl Charles and Dr. Timory have DTF. Uh the greatest uh, sex ed comedy game show in the known universe right after us. And the next night, our pal Mike Udell is going to be back in town for study hall. It's going to be a great weekend in Philadelphia, America's greatest city for murals that used to focus on Bill Cosby. Uh, you can find all that ticket information at link.tree slash Brennanator. We got a great show today. Wonderful panel. Uh, very excited to get to it. But right before we start, uh, we have a guest just added. My producers just handed me this info, so I'm very excited to have him. And uh, let me just read this name, make sure I get it right, because I saw, oh my, this is all right. Well, uh, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show, Dr. Reverend Marvin Luther King Jr. Uh, no relation. <laughs> okay, well, thank you for answering my first question. Uh, now, just to make sure I get so, Doctor Reverend, you are a doctor and a reverend. That's not the name, right? Or, or help me out here. Yes, uh, Thomas. I, I, my name is Doctor Reverend Marvin Luther King Jr. Uh, again, no relation, and I feel I must address the elephant in the room. A lot of people get me confused with Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King. But in fact, we are nothing alike, nothing alike. You see, my name is Dr. Reverend because I am much more of a medical professional than a Christian man. All right. Yes, yes. What what kind of doctor are you, I, I may I ask? Oh, I'm a doctor of many things. <laughs> doctor of... of you know, just sometimes my wife says I am a doctor of breakfast. I'm very good at making French toast. Very good. Very good. I enjoy syrup and sometimes I mix my syrup with strawberries and I cook it up a little bit just the way my wife likes it. That's a that's a, hey, uh, as a husband myself, I think there's no more noble work in the world. I think honestly, husbands don't get enough credit. Uh, I agree, uh, oh, I agree. I really territory. do. Uh, that's got to be rough. Uh, I'm curious, uh, uh, growing up with a name like that, uh, as you mentioned, a lot of a lot of a lot of confusion out there. So, uh, how, how is that? That how's that to live with? It's terrible time, I tell you. You see, Dr. Reverend Marvin, it was my name. I've been called Dr. Reverend since elementary school. Hmm. Don't worry about the details. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but I've been trying and advocating for myself for my entire life. You see, Dr. King, he was a man of many talents. And he is famous, famous for marching so, so far. 
he, he, he marched from Birmingham to Selma. But me, I'm lazy as hell, Tom. I would <laughs> never walk that long. That's crazy. I mean, why would a man walk that many miles from one state to another? It's crazy to me. I would never do such a thing. We are nothing alike, Tom. I tell you, we are nothing alike. I'm very torn because I want to explain why he marched that way. And yet I feel like the optics of me explaining that to you just create even more trouble. So oh, a fair no. point, fair point. I'm I'm open to it. Uh, and longtime fans of the show know I take no ideological stances. Uh, how would you get between those two locations? I'm just curious. Oh, if I had to go from Birmingham to Selma, I would probably have to take the train because, Tom, I don't do planes. No, no, no. Planes are too high. You see, Dr. King, he's famous for being one who has been to the mountaintop. But me, I am terrified of heights. <laughs> I would never climb a mountain or fly a plane, Tom. Ever, I am afraid to change the battery of my smoke detector, <laughs> even what? though it continues to go beep, 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 well, beep. You got to do that every six months, though. I mean, that's just good common sense. But, Tom, that two-foot ladder, it's terrifying, I tell you. Every time I almost go up, I go up the first step, and I go up the second step, and then I go, ah! <laughs> <laughs> because I am so terrified of heights. Well, my wife, my wife, she looks at me and she emasculates me every time. <laughs> does she all... at least change the battery or she it... does it? She changes the battery. That's good. I'm not going to lecture you about the history of civil rights, but I feel comfortable fire explaining to other people. If you're raised Irish Catholic in the Northeast, you get to talk down about fire safety. <laughs> uh, uh, I've noticed that you're you appear to be uh, in a in a church there behind you. Are you are you uh, reverend of a church? Are you are you have a congregation? Yes, yes, I am currently in the middle of a sermon. As you can see, no one has showed up yet. Because Dr. King, he was a very popular man, but not a lot of people know me. Right. So I'm still in the process of growing my church time. I am in the process. And one day, one day, I will speak my words to a congregation full of willing listeners. Well, you've got the the fight in electoral dysfunction 40, uh, who I call our loyal subscribers uh, right now. If you have any words, wisdom you want to impart onto us, we're we're ready to listen. And, uh, you know, I can always edit them out later if it becomes too problematic. <laughs> well, problematic is my middle name. <laughs> wow, that's a long name. <laughs> Martin Luther, problematic King Jr. Well, you know, Tom, a lot of people misunderstand me and the one thing that dr king and i do have in common is that we are often misunderstood you know there we both have bitter rivals one of my bitter rivals that i've had throughout my entire career is a man who is an icon in his own right a man who i respect greatly but our ideals they don't align tom he was a man by the name of Malcolm Jamal Warner. <laughs> you know, I once auditioned for the role of Theo Huxtable too, and that son of a 
bitch took the role from me. Oh, man. <laughs> I will never forgive him, Tom. Well, as well you shouldn't. Uh, uh, Reverend, it's, it's been wonderful having you here. We are going to have to move on to the panel. Any closing words to our, to our audience? Dr. King once had a dream of racial equality, oh of unity, freedom, and love. But me, I have had no such dreams, ladies and gentlemen. In fact, I suffer from insomnia. <laughs> I can barely get any sleep. Um, I, I can't sleep. I, I, the only times I do sleep is every once in a while. And I, I do have this one dream and it's a recurring dream. It's it's the one P dream when you're standing in front of your grandmother's toilet and, and you you just end up going. You let loose. Yeah. And then as, as almost when you're done and you realize, uh oh, I think I just peed to bed. <laughs> so my words to your viewers, everybody at electoral dysfunction is when you're dreaming. Make sure that you're not peeing on yourself. It's, it's good advice for us all. Uh, and I imagine it must be even harder to sleep with the uh, with the smoke detector going off every few minutes. Uh, <laughs> Dr. Reverend Marvin Luther King Jr., uh, it has been an honor to have you on the show. Uh, please, uh, to our listeners, uh, any any uh, complaints or love of this character, just head right over to you at uh, uh, M-G-E-S, M-J-E-A-N-I-O-U-S please send all your complaints over there uh, <laughs> uh and thank you for joining us with that uh dr reverend and with that ned thorne let's kick it over to the panel and join me in welcoming this week's panel first up she's a very funny comedian and the host of the podcast shut up mommy's talking karen Burgreens with us karen how are you i'm good i'm a little cold because the weather went back down yeah, I love that. They really faked us out with spring this week. I like to say they, like anyone controls the weather. <laughs> I do the same thing. You know what it is for me? It's a like a, it's a um, cost saving thing because this way I don't need to go on a, a trip because it's right. kind of like yesterday I was in like Savannah yeah. temperature wise today um, in New England. Tomorrow I'll be in Delaware. Yeah. Oh, man. And if there's ever a place to visit, it's Delaware at any point in time of the year. Uh, uh, the sun on Rehoboth Beach. Also with us, another very funny comedian. Her Uncover Your Inner Artist class uh, will be running March 15th. Find out more at, at AbsurdBirdNYC.com. Please welcome back to the show. She's a comedian. She's a veteran. She's a deacon. She's basically any G.I. Joe character from the 1980s. Hannah Rose is with us. Hey, Hannah, how are you? Hi, Tom. I'm doing very well. Thank you. How are you doing? I. You know what? Thank you for asking. Uh, I'll give you, I'll, I'll do the polite, I'm doing fine answer and we'll save the rest of it for off air. Uh, but you know, it could always be worse. It's the way I like to look at it. It's a little uh, bright but understandably so. For me, it's the closest we can get. Uh, and, and of course, also with us, uh, you know, uh, how am I going to introduce you this week? All right. I'm going to go with the, with the, with the classic from when we did the live shows. Uh, you know, MSNBC says he's too conservative. Fox News says he's too liberal. Does anybody like Robert George? Nobody likes Robert George. Uh, oh, but, now uh, but, but it's 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 very good to be back here, Tom. Thank you, uh, thank you very much. Uh, happy uh, Happy Black History Month. Yeah. Oh man, still doing it. Still, still Thanks. going strong. Uh, you know, easily one of my favorite months that we do in the first two months of the year is February. So. Uh, <laughs> 
And with that, uh, let's hop into the news of the week. Big news this week. Uh, if you hate presidential elections, I got some bad news for you. They're just going to keep happening for the rest of our lives. This week, uh, former South Carolina governor, former ambassador to the U.N., uh, Nikki Haley, announced that she was joining the Republican field for president. Uh, she is the second candidate after, and this never gets easy to say, former president Donald John Trump. The former is easy to say, but just the fact that for the rest <laughs> of our lives, he was a president. I was at the, the Hall of Presidents in Disney World this last uh, September, and it is baffling when they say Donald Trump. You're just like, oh, right. God, that happened. Uh, and they put him next to John Tyler and Andrew Jackson, which I thought was fun. Uh <laughs> So, uh, uh, you know, Robert, we'll start with you because you are a Republican whisperer. Uh, you know that you, know, you, you spent your years behind the lines, you know, fighting the good fights will allow for you. Uh, <laughs> uh, Nikki Haley is our second entrant to the race. It's, you know, there's rumblings of a few more. Former Vice President Mike Pence famously uh, defending the guy who tried to murder him. Uh, at every turn, which I think is very uh, equanimous of him. Hey, good word usage. Um, uh, uh, former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, uh, current Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, current South Carolina Senator Tim Scott, all rumored to be considering a run. Nikki Haley, the first one to get out there. And she went out with a message saying it was time for a new generation uh, and calling for, uh, among other things, uh, mental uh, mental uh, wellness tests for any politician over the age of 75, uh, which, by the way, Donald Trump is over that age. So uh, uh, real good shot at her old boss there, who she famously defended uh, over and over and over again, despite the uh, treasonous attack on our Capitol. Robert, what are your thoughts? Do you think Nikki Haley uh, had a good intro, is really going to make it in this race? Uh, you know, is, is is Donald Trump in trouble? Uh, well, you know, I was uh, intrigued, uh, Tom, with how you introduced this by saying that um, uh, people who don't like, uh, you know, presidential elections, you're sorry, you know, they're just going to keep on happening. Uh, you know, we give we, we give Donald Trump um, a lot of grief, you know, but he we can't say that he didn't go out of his way to try and, you know, invalidate the importance of any future um, uh, presidential election. So uh, good, come point, on. good point. <laughs> let's, give the, <laughs> let's give the guy some credit right there. That's true. He uh, tried to stop this horrible march towards democracy that our and, country does every four years. <laughs> and, and, and I don't I don't think he gets I don't think he gets enough credit for that because yeah. he was one of the few people who realized that uh, that the public really is safe of um, of uh, of presidential elections. I definitely, I just want to say, I agree. I don't think he gets nearly enough credit, and I think the Department of Justice <laughs> should give him all the credit in the world. <laughs> Absolutely, without as as should uh, as should the uh, uh, Georgia the, the the Georgia grand jury that's um yeah uh, that's that's a, that's a, a congregating down there as well. Alvin Bragg and, too, if he's got time, you know. So I'm I'm glad that uh, in fact I've got a I've got a column on this coming out in the next few days. I'm glad that you know Ooh, on Bloomberg.com/opinion. Yeah, exactly. On yeah. I'm glad that Nikki Haley has you know thrown her her hat and her heels um, into the um, um, into the race. Uh, I think it'll be even more interesting when her uh, her South Carolina um, uh, colleague, in a sense. Uh, uh, Tim Scott, uh, the senator, uh, the, the senator uh, from South Carolina, the African American senator from South Carolina, uh, he is most likely also going to, uh, most likely going to announce. Uh, 
they both somewhat different from say Mike Pence and Mike Pompeo and DeSantis and so forth. They both have what I think is good to see in politics, but particularly in the Republican Party, this uh, this uh, this idea of this aspirational American story. Uh, you know, Nikki Haley, she's the you know the daughter the daughter of Indian immigrants. Uh, uh, Tim Scott, African American, son of a single mother, uh, defeated the son of Strom Thurmond um, in a primary when, when Scott was running for the House uh, a decade a decade ago. So they, uh, while the, the Republican Party has lots and lots of problems and issues um, in terms of being anti-immigrant and uh they've got their white supremacist elements and so forth the fact that these that these that these two candidates are um these two politicians are out there um trying to celebrate what is good about can be found in the republican message and the conservative the conservative message i think that's i think that's great the issue is though uh i'm not sure if it's something that is going to penetrate the that, that republican base because the republican base you know forget about the um, the demographics and the the the, uh, the, the racial the, some of the racial messaging and things like that. Uh, the, the thing that the, that the base was attracted to Donald Trump in is the you know he fights thing. The fact that he's aggressive, that he takes he makes no apologies. He uh, he at, he attacks um, you know uh, uh, wimpy Republicans as much as he as he uh, attacks uh, you know e- evil socialist Democrats and and so forth. And and he doesn't apologize for it, even if there's a lot of things he says that he should apologize for. And uh, I and th- there's something about DeSantis that they, that attracts. That is attractive to that base as well, and I'm just thinking that uh, Nikki Haley and Tim Scott may ultimately be too quote nice uh, for the, for this Republican base. That's a that's a word for it. <laughs> I feel like this Republican base uh, liked that Donald Trump fought more than a few groups than just uh, wimpy Republicans and Democrats. Hannah, Karen, let me get your thoughts in terms of of. You know, I don't know. I'll I'll try and put this as politely as I can. Do you think that this Republican Party uh, wants to support women? Um, <clears throat> that is a great question. I, I actually watched her campaign video and I had a visceral reaction to it. There's there was just so much mixing of messages in it, talking about America's wonderful and racism is isn't a thing. But uh, growing up in South Carolina, I'm not black or white. I'm different. It's just like that you're qualifying <laughs> means that there's there is racism. So it's just like there's it just felt very gaslighty and to be frank, no. They're they're this this Republican base <laughs> that heralded Donald Trump is not interested in women leadership. No. Unless they disavow everything like a sort of a Carrie Lake where you're just like I'm going like you just say women, you know, stop using this as an excuse and you never bring up any kind of sexism ever. I think I think just being a woman like. Yeah, I I mean, I agree, but I think the only way. But I also think to to the points that um, that everybody here has made in especially the one where you started, where you said people, you know, people don't like talking about the election. I think part of that's part of our problem is that we think of elections as quote entertaining and i think that's what got us into this trump problem to begin with because it was funny remember he went down the escalator and he said really 
outlandish things and people were like talking about it. And then suddenly it's sort of, I'm watching that show with the mushrooms, what's it called? The um, last of us, right? It's, is anybody watching that where they wake up? If you, if you like step near them, they wake up. It's kind of like he woke up all these fungus people who are like, wait, I'm allowed to say that. I'm allowed to say that. And suddenly it made the whole election thing super fun. Um, the other point that I was going to make is I don't know how any of these people are going to do because, you know, on on the one hand, they're not Trump. So the MAGA people are going to be like, oh, they're just sort of like crappy, like Nikki Haley, the same way she does this sort of, you know, playing both talking out of both sides of her mouth with the feminist stuff also does the same thing with Trump. Like she'll praise him. She served in his administration on the one hand, and then she'll completely, you know, disavow him in another. And, you know, then you have the Pence thing, which is mind boggling. Like who, I don't understand who his 2% support is. Like I literally <laughs> can't figure it. I can't figure it out because the MAGA people literally want to kill him. And everybody else is like, you're such a loser. Like, I just, I can't see anybody, I, I, except for maybe like a Ron DeSantis, who everybody says is so unpleasant on camera. Like, I haven't had enough, you know, I just read his policies. I haven't seen enough interviews with him. I feel like the Republicans need somebody like, you know, completely new, like that nobody's ever heard of. You know. I'm, uh, I think the 2% support for Pence, by the way, are probably Karen Pence and whoever built the gallows outside the Capitol <laughs> wants to get one last shot in at him. Right, right, uh, right. That's my stance right there. I, I do, do like the, I, I do like the idea, though, Karen said that um, that Trump, you know, sort of activated the, you know, the, 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 the mushroom people in the Republican Party, which makes sense, because if you think about it, Trump is a fun guy. Oh, oh here we go. that joke brought to you by the right. Daily News and the New York Post. Uh, I do think, well, I think to that point, like, uh, uh, and Robert, uh, what the heck, Karen brought it up. So we'll talk about way back when, when Trump first started running and it was funny and there were things he did that, you know, conventional politics, we'd be like, that's, oh, he's over, it's done. I may recall one day in August of 2015, I think he said something to the effect of John McCain wasn't a war hero. And that night at the People's Improv Theater, uh, esteemed then a New York Post editorial columnist and future Bloomberg columnist, Robert George said it was the beginning of the end for Donald Trump, uh, <laughs> which of course ended up being true because every beginning is the beginning of an end because life is <laughs> finite. Um, I think though, I'm curious, like, well, I, I, I want to go back to, to talking about, I think the biggest problem for a Nikki Haley is and something we mentioned Ron DeSantis, something Ron DeSantis has going for him is that he has a lot of appeal to that MAGA base, but none of the dirt of Donald Trump's administration is on his hands. You know, Nikki Haley is also in a I think that's why someone like Tim Scott, as much as I uh, have similar questions about this Republican Party being on board with uh, nominating a black man as their president, let alone a confirmed bachelor. But I'll leave that to, to the rumor mongers in Washington to decide what that means. Uh, but I'd say an advantage he has, he was not part of the administration, you know, and I think that's something Nikki Haley has a struggle with. It is hard for you to say, 
uh, I am a brand new face. It's time to turn the page. We're changing everything up. What were you doing for the last four years? Oh, I was helping this guy uh, uh, ruin everything. <laughs> you know, Ron DeSantis even also has that, like part of why Ron DeSantis, I think is so, so uh, uh, talked about in this campaign is like, he has a lot of similar Trump policies, but he was not a part of the Trump administration. He is not responsible for January 6th. He's been, you know, comparably to what I would expect from a Ron DeSantis type, pretty responsible with how he talks about January 6th. They still all fall into that like, oh, well, Joe Biden is the president instead of saying, no, it's all made up. There was no uh, election you know, interference. But, you know, to his credit, Ron DeSantis has also not gone out and, you know, stoked the fires of of election conspiracy theories whatsoever. He's stoked plenty of other terrible fires and none of that forgives him. But he's got he isn't he is in a spot where. Uh, if he were an exciting, dynamic speaker, we'd be in a lot of trouble. But fortunately, listen, like, uh, um, he's really mean in the way that the that the base loves. Yeah. But he's so unfun. The thing about Trump is that he makes it all look really fun. Like sometimes when you hear him talking, like just even those rallies and stuff, it just looks kind of like I mean, frankly, he's like a comedian, you know, in terms of his you know, his bits and stuff. And I think because, you know, I don't want to apologize for him at all because I think he's a monster. But I do think that he kind of does have a warped sense of reality. And so it is just like everything's kind of like this fantasy that's happening. And because he's so narcissistic, he's not actually talking about real people. It's like character. It's almost like he's not... Like, yes, he's lying, but there's almost part of it's like he doesn't he might not know he's lying at this point. (laughs) I think that is the truth of Donald Trump is like, yeah, like in his and that I would say we we, uh, want to talk also a little bit about news this week uh, in uh, Dominion uh, voting's uh, 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 defamation lawsuit against Fox News. news broke this week that apparently uh, from uh, court transcripts, I believe just uh, uh, any number of Fox News hosts and not even like the little not like Brett Baer and the ones who are like, you know, there until that CNBC paycheck shows up and then maybe they'll leave for their for, for their conscience. Like even your Tucker Carlson's and Sean Hannity's were all saying like, we know that this, you know, the election was stolen. And Laura like, Ingraham too, Laura Ingram, like yeah. the worst she yeah i would say i go i go tucker is the worst but that's just because i don't trust men who wear bow ties uh or at least white men who wear bow ties anyway (laughs) that's just a rule for me um but you know came out that they were all you know while on screen talking about how the election's been stolen uh they were all uh behind scenes at the at the offices uh uh here in midtown manhattan talking at length about how everyone knows that this is bullshit everyone knows that the election wasn't stolen Uh, And then went on TV to say otherwise, even Fox News, uh, apparently on January 6th, 2021, uh, then President Trump reached out to them and and asked to go on TV during the the riots to sort of, you know, do some damage control. And even Fox News was like, no, we're not going to do that. (laughs) Um, So uh, let's talk a little bit about that. And Hannah, I want to start with you, because when we were talking before the show, you you raised a, a, a good point, I think, about what a difference it might make for the average Fox News viewer to find out that uh, that the Fox News hosts were behind the scenes saying this is what we're about to tell the public is not true. What are your thoughts on that as our resident Midwestern uh, translator? Yes, sure. Um, 
And for context, for those who don't know me, I was raised in the upper Midwest. I went to North Dakota State in Fargo, North Dakota. I served in the Air National Guard in Hawaii and in Johnstown, Pennsylvania. So I have a lot of love for my brothers and sisters who are Republican and who watch a steady stream of Fox News. And even in the light of the truth coming out, it won't it won't change them engaging with that media in the same way of just like believing, believing, the believing the lies and continuing to tune in. Yeah. I think I'd be, I, I have no uh, evidence to, to point to this, but I'm certain if you confronted someone with this information, uh, they would immediate Sean Hannity would go from working class fighter to, well, you know, he's just some New York journalist, right? Of course they're all on the, on the tank for yeah, the deep state. Then it would uh, then yeah, exactly. By the way, Hawaii and Pennsylvania. Boy, you really saw uh well I all due respect to my love for the great state of Pennsylvania. You really saw all sides of this country when you were serving. I have. I've <laughs> and I've lived in Texas and Mississippi as well. Wow. Oh, man. Good. Ooh, that's it's a heck of a country. Mm. Uh, Robert, uh, you know, your thoughts on uh, on I think we talked about let's let's level set this something that Fox News has done. And we were talking about this, you and I, during our our live show the night of the 2020 election when uh, uh, you popped in, I think, actually, to save me, Hannah and James Heskey from from despair, because you were like, well, look, we learned tonight that there's a lot of you said like a lot of hidden Trump voters are like, but that being said, I still think this is Joe Biden's race to win. And we were all like, Oh, good. <laughs> Thanks. You got us out of our, uh, our moment of shock, but you brought up, uh, but I think something Fox news did, and we talked about that night because they call their, their, their decision desk called Arizona before any other state uh, or any other network for Joe Biden, something Fox news does very well and deserves, you know, small C credit for in this horror scape that they've created in the media is that they have actual very high standards for the reporting that they do and for the polling that they do. They hold all that stuff to really high standards. And then they put the just a cavalcade of of corrupt monsters on TV to spin all that stuff. Uh, um, like some of the reporters, like, and I mean, legitimate reporters from Fox News, not like Steve Ducey on Fox and Friends uh, or uh, whoever the guy that is that keeps writing books about George Washington being an assassin. Um, but uh, uh, Brian Kilney, that's the one. Uh, but like the actual reporters do real serious reporting. They are held to very serious editorial ethics. That's how they get away with so much of the stuff that they do, because then Rupert Murdoch says, great, uh, don't put that story out. Uh, or also, oh, Hunter Biden's name is towards the bottom of this story. Let's reorganize that towards the top. Uh, uh, talk about this, though. Like, what what do you think is the reaction inside Fox News headquarters in a world where that information comes out? You you know a little bit about that. Well, world. yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, and I I should my caveat is having worked for the for the the New York Post uh, for sixteen years. I worked in the same building uh, as. Uh, as as Fox News and I uh, showed up on their on their airwaves a couple of times here and there, but not uh, not not to not to not to a great that great extent. But no, you're right. I mean, when they um, first started out, yeah, I mean, they gave you a two a.m. to three a.m. show, if I remember correctly. <laughs> uh, no, thumbs up, thumbs up. I showed up a couple of times. On, on one, I, th- I to this day, I will still say like one of their. One of their great, great, one of the great, great Fox shows uh, was uh, was was Red Eye, uh, which um, um, which was their um, 
was their midnight was their was their midnight show, which proved that you could actually they could do real they could do real comedy on that, and it was a it was a very funny satirical kind of talk show. Uh, you know, in certain ways, not unlike not not in, unlike uh, electoral dysfunction in terms of the way people would just you know you'd have a mixture of some some politicos and some comedians, and they'd be just sort of like you know on a day on a nightly basis just kind of shooting the breeze on what was going on. But yeah. We're on uh, 3 a.m. to 4 a.m. on Bronxnet <laughs> right. 12. That's the difference. Uh, no, no, but, 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 but that said, they, they, they had um, their their logo, their their mantra when they started out was, you know, was fair and balanced. And on the news side, and the news side, um, there was a lot of there was a lot of strength um, to, uh, to that. And going through basically the 2020 election or so, used uh, and into 2021, you had people. You still have people like Brett Baer, who are like, you know, solid, you know, uh, solid reporters. Um, uh, you know, uh, 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 Chris Wallace, of course, has now left and, and moved over to CNN and so forth. But he was a you know solid reporter, solid, like really, like really fair and smart interviewer, um, regardless of uh, regardless of who uh, of who was on. Uh, it was it was unfortunate, in fact, that, you know, that one of the, the part of the fallout from 2020 was that they ended up um, firing their their lead pollster and a- analyst because he was the he was the one uh, Chris uh, Stierwolf I believe is the guy's name uh, he was the one who called um, Arizona uh, for, uh, for for Fox and uh, it got um, it obviously got Trump infuriated and the Trump people were calling Rupert Murdoch to try and get the call overturned and all and all this other kind of and all this other kind of stuff but but, but you know credit to Fox they stood behind him they stood behind Starwalt until you know a, a, a few weeks later, and then um, and then and then and then ushered him uh, ushered him out. Um, in I think it was I think it was two thousand eight I think it was two thousand eighteen when the when the Democrats uh, ended up uh, flipping you know flipping flipping the House. Uh, there was uh, right 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 on air. There was a you know I think um, Carl Rove was trying to say, well I think it's 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 not quite in yet. No, it, it, uh, but but the, the 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 Fox decision desk was saying no. It, it's it's gone over. Uh, the, the the Democrats have won. So there has been a, a and you would actually see it uh, on a regular uh, on a kind of a face to face basis uh, a a tension between the outcome. That uh, the um, the political the political and ideological pundits want, and some others higher up want, and the actual news holding analyst types um, who are really playing it who who are really who are really playing it straight. Um, my fear is that uh, that 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 tension is now being is now resolving the wrong way that. Uh, that uh, the, the 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 ideological impulses may um, ultimately winning out um, even more even more so than um, than in the past. When we, and, and if that is the case, I think that's I think that is a tragedy because I think you know, as I said on the on the news side, uh, Fox there's a lot of evidence that it's done a good job. Yeah, I like that they waited a few weeks to fire him so that he could be, you know, he could get one of those uh, nice COVID checks they sent us at the end of 2020. Uh, remember, they gave us eighteen hundred dollars for 12 months. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, there you go. Boy, they got us good. Um, 
<laughs> Meanwhile, the entire cruise ship industry, which is responsible for just trafficking disease up and down the eastern seaboard, got basically underwritten by all of us. I'm not mad, though. Uh, this is how this is how it starts. I'm turning 40 this year. I'm white. I'm mad at the government for how it spends money. I'm really two cycles away from being like, look, Donald Trump Jr. I don't agree with him on everything, but he's saying what I'm thinking. Um, <clears throat> I think uh, I, I, I would say tying back, Karen, what we were talking about before you know, and uh, tying that together with 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 Hannah's point about convincing your Fox News viewers and Fox News audiences, I think, you know, we talk a lot broadly about the two different realities that Americans live in. I really think we kind of live in three different realities, which is to say we live in like the conservative ecosphere, which is uh, large, uh, the liberal echo, like, you know, ecosphere, for lack of better words, which is also very large. Just the difference between the liberal and the conservative one is we uh, don't have guns. Um, and uh, and then every and I do think there is a large number of everyone else. And I think we saw that out in 2020 and 2022. You have a lot of voters and people out there. I think we have a a more persuadable middle that just doesn't always vote uh, than we think there is, or at least a persuadable group of people that are like, what are you talking about? I <laughs> I asked you to fix this road in front of my house. But I think with within that conservative uh, echo sphere, echo chamber, whatever you want to call it, you know, that that separate reality uh, is now similar to Trump, where it's like, you know, no, they're not. They are technically not lying because, you know, they've already re rewritten the facts like, you know, you try like I, I've said this a few times, like I don't try and convince my conservative cousins anymore because it's a waste of my time. Like they've accepted a set of facts. Uh, I don't want to go to Ohio anyway, so it's OK. Uh, you know, I, and but I. You know, I also but I think a step further uh, is that, you know, uh, uh, and this is going to sound weird and hear me out to the end of it. I think technically when it comes to election denial, the right wing is not lying at all because they do believe because in their reality, the election was stolen because a group of people who they don't think should be allowed to vote voted. <laughs> and, you know, I think that in their mind's eye, the thought is no longer one of. I like I don't think they really think that ballots, you know, were showing up suddenly and 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 changed overnight. I think they're like, yes, this election was stolen because only I should be allowed to vote. <laughs> and all these oh. other people were allowed to vote, you know, Which, to be fair. That's how I felt watching election results in Florida in 2000. So <laughs> I was like, this was still I, I, yeah. I agree with you because I do think you're just like, well, that's just because stupid people voted like when they when it's like no. the, the other side wins. You're like, well, that's just because people who are uninformed voted and uninformed people shouldn't be allowed to vote. You know, I sometimes have that, that impulse, but, you know, to your point of like, you know, I don't uh, to uh, also what um, Hannah was saying earlier, it's not going to move the needle. I mean, Tucker Carlson, the night that this information came out was saying, was suggesting again that the election was rigged. Again, when this because I think that they've actually done the finances on this and they're like, whatever the lawsuit is, they're so rich that I think it's like a I don't know, know what the exact number is, Robert, I'm sure you know, but like they have the money to pay the billions of dollars that Dominion is asking. I mean, the one thing is and I don't know what the rule is um, in in this jurisdiction on punitive damages. But that could send them, you know, I don't know what the defamation, you know, because sometimes there's a cap, um, what that could do to them. But I think that they've literally probably sat with their accountants and everybody and said, let's just lean into it. 
and say they'll just keep saying the election was stolen because the in, they're not reporting the Dominion lawsuit. It's nobody's like nobody who's like a Tucker Carlson fan is going to be like, oh, my gosh, I wonder what they're saying on MSNBC now. Like they're not watching that mm -hmm. and they're not like reading the paper necessarily. I mean, it's just, you know, these are people who are, you know, I do my own research. You know, they're the I do my own research people. My favorite part of I do my own research, by the way, is that it implies that me going to a doctor and saying, what should I do? Wasn't good enough research. Uh, um, I think, yeah, yeah. And Robert, I'd be curious your thoughts on this too. I'm like, you know, I think we kind of feel, I, I give in to despair a lot of the time on this where I'm just like, oh God, things are never going to get better. We're doomed because it's going to be caught in this loop of people refusing to believe one another. But then going back to that, you know, stupid people, you know, the, the thought in my head saying stupid people shouldn't be allowed to vote. Uh, uh, a, uh, I'm probably not as smart as I think I am. So I, I try not to, to give into that too much, but also like stupid people are actually far more persuadable than diehard uh, political uh, devotees, I found, uh, you know, and I want to, and so I tried, no, I mean, tried to tie this to very speak very quickly. And like my thought on this was, I'm thinking back to Joe Biden's State of the Union and something he did masterfully, masterfully, and all four of us have performed comedy on stage and something he did really well. Uh, and we know how hard it is, you know, was just completely immediately respond to hecklers in the audience with a really simple, down. with a really simple, look it up. And I feel like, you know, like, again, not judging stupid people because I might be one of them. I was like, that's all I need to hear. <laughs> like, like, it made me immediately think of the arguments I've had with, you know, the people in my life. Where I'm like, well, what about this fact or that fact and this and that and the other and, and how immediately it's ignored. And yet I feel like even they might have been moved by look it up. And I was like, ah, oh, you got him. <laughs> and that's hard for anyone, let alone an 80 year old. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, I thought that the, the, the most brilliant part of um, of um, of Biden's address, I mean, what was exactly that? Because, I mean, you know, apropos for, you know, all of us talking, you know, talking here, uh, the president, of the, the president of the United States basically kind of laid out a, laid out some bait Um and if you if you want to put it in a in, in improv terms, he 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 put an offer, and the uh, the, the Republicans uh, decided to yes and him, and then he yes anded them, <laughs> and and it, and it was and it was it was it was brilliant. It was it was it was really it was gr it was great, uh, and it was particularly good because here you got an eighty year old man, and there have been these questions about. Uh, his mental acuity and and um, and whether he's you know got the energy and stuff uh, you know for another uh, not another elect another campaign and another election and another four years and all this other kind of stuff uh, and 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 he was and it was it was it was it was it was absolutely brilliant and to your point he did it in sort of a manner that um, that unquantifiable um, uh, working class middle um, that have over the last several years have voted for um, have voted for Obama have a, a voted for Trump and mm -hmm. and, so, and have voted for and have voted have voted for Biden and uh, I think he, uh, I, he I think he appealed he, uh, he, he appealed to some of them as, uh, as well and he didn't get it into the weeds as to he didn't he waited until after the speech to like mention Rick Scott by name for um, for example but you're right you said you know you know look it up he said you know I'm not saying I'm not saying all Republicans 
I'm just saying some of them, but you know, some of them that you guys have been listening, um, you guys have been, you guys have been listening to, um, and that is, and, and that is in a way, kind of the way you, you, you need to, um, if you're going to try and reach a, a, a persuadable middle, if there is still a persuadable middle out there, that is kind of the way you, you have to do it. You, you, you do it in a, uh, uh, and, and I think the only other, I had to go back 20 years, Biden, I think, almost had a little bit of um, had a little bit of, of of Bill Clinton in him in terms of that kind of sparring uh, and that ability to kind of speak in a in a straightforward non non um, non progressive intellectual way, but just you know kind of speak straight, kind of speak straight to um, you know to the people he grew up with in in Scranton. If if I may, yes, Please. and this when we're talking about the middle. Um, it's not it's not a middle thing, but I'll tie it all back around. Um, today is Audrey would have been Audrey Lord's uh, 89th birthday um, in in the spirit of like dismantling oppressive systems like it's bad. Part of healing and getting better is admitting just how bad it is, how hard it is like. Where are our bridges to each other? Where are the people who can have an uncomfortable conversation without getting into the, like making it personal, making it a fight to the death rather than discourse? Like people on the left and the right are still people. And I think what Donald Trump ushered in is um, pulling down the veil of um, the masks that so many wear. Um, and I think that's overall a positive thing. So that's where I get hope from is like engage Americans. Like if you're in the middle and you're struggling and inflation is kicking your butt and you uh, don't know what to do, get involved, like start reading, um, uh, ingesting media from credible sources and engage on engage in the political sphere on on your lower levels and your upper levels because you really do have choices and you really do have more power than you think you have yeah i think that's an interesting point and i i feel like i get anxious in these conversations because you never want to come off like like there's there's equivalencies i don't think are fair to make you know in some of these debates like it's you know i've seen memes where people are like like, you know, one side's a Confederate flag and one side's a rainbow pride flag. I'm like, those aren't the same things. <laughs> like, uh, one of those is evil, the other is not. But undeniably, like, you know, these people aren't leaving. You know, we had a pandemic. It didn't clear them out like I hoped. <laughs> like, uh, you know, we've got, you know, they're still here and they're still going to vote. And, you know, uh, something Joe Biden did that night, exactly, without selling out the safety of people who need protection of oppressed groups, he did say, look it up. These people are screwing you. Like, you might not love, you know, like, you might not love these marginalized groups, but the people who are screwing you are the people in the Republican side of this room, in my opinion. Uh, and with that, we will call it a week. Thank you very much, panel. This is a terrific conversation. Uh, before we get going, we'll just go around quickly. Karen, uh, where can folks find you on social media, the internet, et cetera? Anything else you want to plug? Oh, sure. I'm on Instagram and Burgreen Karen. Um, I am also on Facebook, Karen Burgreen. I love chatting with people about anything, politics, dogs, food, you name it. Um, and then uh, please even if you're not a, par a parent, listen to my podcast, Shut Up Mommy's Talking. We always have a fun conversation. Not unlike this one. Excellent. Thank you. 
Hannah, any, where can folks find you on, on social and anything else you'd like to plug beyond what I mangled at the top? Sure. Uh, I'm Hannah Lee Rose. You can find me on Instagram at Hannah Lee Rose Creates and also on Facebook as Hannah Lee Rose. And then I have my website, absurdbirdnyc.com. And stay tuned for that six-week Uncover Your Inner Artist course that starts on March 15th. Excellent. Robert George, close us out. Okie dokie. Yes, uh, you can find me uh, on on the Twitters. Though goodness knows that uh, that place is falling apart. At at, at Rob at Rob George, uh, you can find some of my columns, um, uh, my Bloomberg columns at Opinion um, on on Twitter. And um, I uh, have become more and more uh, prominent uh, and busy on Instagram. That's uh, Rob George twenty nine. Uh, where you can find um, all of my uh, my comedic my comedic pursuits, my intentionally comedic pursuits, uh, just as opposed to the columns that you could just laugh at. Oh yeah, no, a laugh a minute those columns. <laughs> um, uh, thank you very much, Robert. Thank you very much, panel. I'm Tom Brennan. You can find me on Twitter at Brennanator, on Instagram at Brennanatorgram. Uh, and one more time, uh, though we mentioned at the top of the show, just want to quickly remind folks that uh, you can see Electoral Dysfunction live on stage, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, March 31st at Crossroads Comedy's Class Clowns Comedy Festival. Uh, uh, Going to be a great night back in that terrific city. Thank you again to our pal Marcely Jean-Pierre for stopping by. Uh, again, any complaints about his character, please direct it to at MGenius and not me. Uh, <laughs> thank you to Joanne Harris, who does our show theme music. Thank you to Ned Thorne, who helps me put these together every single uh, time we do them. Uh, we will be back in two weeks. And at that point, I may finally have a sign-off. Bye. Bye.